the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Um, last time when we spoke, um, I had suggested that with all the significant changes uh, that are happening in our lives, um, that adopting certain ways of uh, thinking, being, doing, um, would be helpful. And I, I specifically uh, picked um, seven uh, principles um, that we can we can look at and try to adopt and um, I think offered some some practical day-to-day -day, uh, application so last time I covered the the first three um, radical acceptance establishing a rhythm and um, being open to the present moment and um, today I just want us to go through uh, and do uh, the other four, gratitude, commitment to values, uh, humor, and uh, finding time to dance. So I wanna start uh, off with uh, gratitude. And why gratitude? Why is gratitude um, an essential uh, aspect um, that I have chosen? Well, you know, for us Christians, uh, the experience of gratitude uh, stems from God's compelling love towards us. So we know that God is unchangeable, is immutable by nature, which means that um, He is forever self-emptying, forever willing to bear our shame, forever willing to... Um, to say, uh, step out into the water with me, forever willing to die for the love of the world. Uh, St. Ruth Barrows puts it in this way, it is the Father's excessive love for us that in filling the heart of Jesus drives Jesus to his self-emptying. In giving us Jesus, he gives his all. He gives his all. So God is not just pleased to give us material things, although he does do that, uh, but the greatest treasure that he gives to us is his own life, his very being, his thoughts, his experiences. Um, he gives to us, he shares with us. And sometimes we associate that experience uh, with certain places, holy places, you know, like when I go to church, there, there's there's an experience of holiness, or uh, when I visit um, historical holy places, then, you know, maybe it connects me with God. But also, I would love to bring in the thoughts of uh, Sister Ruth Barrows on this, um, where she says, divine love meets us in the real world and nowhere else. In this moment, in this circumstance, painful and humiliating though it may be, in this person, in the daily unexciting round of seemingly trivial things which afford no measure of self-glorification. Divine love meets us here in our flawed, suffering human condition and nowhere else. And this is taken from the book, The Essence of Prayer. 
Um, Sister Ruth is a Carmelite nun um, who herself uh, reports that uh, she struggled with, with prayer and experiencing the presence of God, um, but um, provides us with these really beautiful words uh, about the presence of God penetrating into every aspect of our lives. So gratitude in itself is, is almost like a discipline. It's a discipline um, based on the knowledge that all that I am and all that I'm given, all that I have is a gift of love, a gift to be celebrated with joy, um, as one of the Western Church Fathers says. Um, for Christians, uh, this is not a feeling dependent on circumstances, but a disposition uh, built on faith. Um, this faith is born from the very life, teaching, and death, uh, and we would say in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Um, you know, and when you look to the saints and you say, yeah, that that's great that one can have this disposition, but what about during troubling times? What about times like ours? Um, what, what do you say? What do you do? How do you feel grateful? Uh, and at least one of the saints answers and says, I say, glory to you, O Lord, for everything that you have brought upon me. Glory to you, just and most merciful in your judgment upon me, a sinner. This is glory to you because this belief that whatever the Lord brings to us is for our remedy is for our healings for our growth um, and we can also say that it's often the case that when we read the the Synexarium, um we never hear uh, you know, today we commemorate the life of such and such person who lived a very uh, comfortable and um, untroubling uh, life. Yeah. The, the, the life of those who we commemorate are always marked by a struggle. Um, that is always the case, and sometimes we forget that. It's nice that in some of the lectures of... Um, Metropolitan Anthony Bloom. Um, I, I, I remember hearing him talk about this and, and it stands out for me. He says that um, at certain point in his life, I think after um, uh, World War II, that he, he moved from Russia to Paris. And he said that uh, he and some of his colleagues, we had uh, left the cathedrals we we prayed in and uh, landed in a poor church in Paris. He said, we had no money, no jobs. We felt as beggars. And yet Christ was among us. He was one of us. His presence was so clearly manifested as I had never experienced in the cathedral. And so somehow, in those uh, 
those difficult times where he felt stripped of so many of um, his belonging, his comfort, um, that there he found the presence of Christ. And he says, Christ was among us, as one of us, uh, as an intimate experience. And we know from the gospel that sometimes the way God brings healing to an individual or community can sometimes seem chaotic. There's at least um, one incident that's um, found in the gospel um, where it says that Jesus goes to the country of the Gadarenes across from Galilee. And uh, upon his arrival, he's met with this uh, demonic um, power, this person who's possessed by a legion of, of demons. And it says that um, Christ rebukes the demon and commands the demon to uh, leave the man. The demons ask for permission to be cast into a herd of swines that were uh, on a nearby mountain and the Lord permits it so but this demonic uh, power that possessed the man it used to drive the man to um, uh, cause so much chaos it said in one of the gospels said they would chain him and he would break the chains he was naked. He was just a wild man, um, causing so much chaos. Uh, so when the Lord commands the demons to depart from him, uh, the demons are then cast into the swine, and the swine says violently make their way, and they end up drowning into a, a nearby lake. Um, some of the people see this. They go back to the people of the country, and they say, come and see what has happened. So the people of the country come, and what is it that they see? They see the man clothed in his right mind and sitting at the feet of Jesus. That's pretty extraordinary. And what do you expect the response would be? Maybe a lot of gratitude, maybe glorification, maybe an invitation. Tell us who you are. Come to our house. Eat with us. Teach us. How is it that you've come to be who you are? Let us know more about who you are, Jesus. That's not what happens. Uh, in fact, in one of the Gospels, it says that the people, they pleaded with him to depart. And the reason why they pleaded with him to depart was that the healing of the man... Uh, resulted in economic loss yeah. the herd was now the herd of swine was now dead I suspect the water was probably polluted um, and they saw that as an economic loss and they wanted him to depart they didn't want him to be part of their lives and so when Jesus brings healing to a man or a community, it can look like material loss. It can look like uh, taking an economic hit. 
but the important thing is does the person have the eye to see uh, also the healing that can come from these events and these incidents could there be a, a, a form of restoration of healing from demonic possessions when you look at um, for example uh, Saint Dorotheos of Gaza regarding um, temptations and trials difficulties that one can go through um, in their life he um, he says regarding temptations that come upon us in God's providence everything is absolutely right and what happens is for the assistance of the soul we are as the Apostle says in all things to give thanks for his goodness to us and accept calmly and willing with willingness of mind and accept with hope in God in hope in God so um, our gratitude is deeply connected in that God is the same yesterday today and tomorrow that this God is self-emptying that he gives his life his son he shares his life with us, is given to us every day and every moment. And that is the source of our thanksgiving and the source of our joy, this community, communion with the Holy Trinity. That's the essence of our joy. And in every moment, we're given a choice to connect our thankfulness to material gain or to connect our our thankfulness our gratitude to that reality that faith that God has and continues to and forever will be self-emptying love um, you know on this point I also just want to to bring in um, uh, Victor Frankl who's the author of the book man's search of meaning which is an incredible book written by a, a psychiatrist uh, who was also a Holocaust survivor. Uh, Viktor Frankl uh, was taken as a prisoner in Auschwitz. He was in one camp and his wife was in another camp. And I'll let you read the book to know what happened. But in this book, there's a beautiful quote uh, that he writes about the disposition of the heart during trying times he says we who lived in the concentration camps can remember the men who walked through the huts comforting others giving away their last piece of bread they may have been few in numbers but they offer sufficient proof that everything can be taken from a man but one thing the last of the human freedoms to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstance. In the final analysis, it becomes clear that the sort of person that the prisoner became was the result of an inner decision and not the result of camp influence alone. In other words, there is a decision in the heart, right? 
the way they bore their suffering was a genuine inner decision. And he calls this spiritual freedom, which cannot be taken away from a person. So in terms of some practical, um, practical ways of um, practicing gratitude, of course, all our prayers start with thanksgiving, right? Um, but one of the nice things that uh, people have done and, and have been helpful is to write down a gratitude list every morning, uh, maybe while you're having coffee, and giving thanks for meaningful relationships, for ways God has showed up in your life. Um, write gratitude for opportunities that maybe you're experiencing now that you haven't experienced before. I know for me, spending more time with my daughter has been just a, a, a blessing and an amazing privilege. And also before going to bed, you can, you know, um, if you happen to be married, this is something you and your spouse can do together. What's three things you're thankful that happened during the day? It's a way to also conclude the day by really focusing in on um, your appreciation of how God has showed up in your life. And also, you know, one of the, the, the frequently used prayers is just saying, glory to God, you know, glory to God. Um, just when things show up in life and uh, you feel thankful that something happens, you connected with someone, um, that you miss just being able to say glory to God glory to God I would like now to move to um, uh, the fifth point which is um, commitment to values I think you know during difficult times the question that oftentimes arises is what do I want to stand for in life? Like, what's important for me? You know? I first thought about this and I chose to talk about this because um, in January, a coworker, uh, he bought this uh, uh, nutrition, uh, nutritional supplement and uh, it helped with, you know, your immune system and what have you. And I thought, huh, this is really cool. Uh, I looked at it. I tasted one of it, one of them, and it, it was great. And um, so I, I, I set it in my mind to actually buy it. And uh, I went on Amazon, put it in the shopping cart, and I said, I'll buy it later. And um, once everything uh, with the whole pandemic evolved, uh, it was taken out of my cart. And I said, what happened to it? Well, what happened to it is uh, there was a price change on it. Uh, it doubled in price. Instead of being $9.99, $10, uh, it became $20. But instead of saying it's $20, it says you could only buy three of them for $60. That's how it works. And um, I was really bothered by this. Uh, I was really bothered by it because instead of the company saying uh, here's who we are uh, 
we're gonna actually drop our prices this is a time where people actually need this and we think this is a really good supplement and we want accessibility we want everybody to buy it and have it and, and during this this time of crisis we we want to be there to provide this for as many people as we can that wasn't the case it was that we're going to exploit people's fear and we're gonna make a lot of money doing that and so um, it made me think like what is it that you want to your company to stand for what is it that you want to to stand for and for someone like me now if you sold it for pennies I'm not gonna buy it um, so oftentimes we want to know like what's what should our what should our attitude be like what should our commitment uh, be like yeah oftentimes there there's a conflict between uh, our belief system and kind of what we're doing in our life um, and so we may be struggling with honesty integrity love towards our neighbor uh, hospitality being fair and just um, and embracing others who who might think differently than ourselves and the thing that we know is that when people encounter Christ and are united with him uh, there's an evident imprint uh, that's manifested in their presence, in their activities, in their relationships, uh, but also what they stand for in their earthly life. You know, when the Holy Spirit, who is referred to by Christ as the Spirit of Truth, takes hold of the Christian person, uh, and that person actually surrenders to Him, there's a clear transformation that occurs and uh, we see this beautifully in, in the life of um, St. John Chrysostom. One of the things that I absolutely love about St. John Chrysostom, uh, although he has written commentary on almost every single book in the Bible, um, has written on all the mysteries uh, in the church, You know, there, there's a liturgy of St. John Chrysostom that's celebrated in the Eastern Orthodox Church. Uh, he has so many great contributions. I think nothing stands out for me about his life more profoundly than, than this story which, which I'm about to share with you. Um, you know, St. John Chrysostom lived in Constantinople and um, at this time, the, the empress, uh, whose name is Evdoxia, um, was not, she was orthodox, but was not on very good terms with, uh, with the saint. And it happened one day that uh, a widow came to John Chrysostom and said to him, I own a vineyard. And the empress decided uh, to take the vineyard from me. It is what has been uh, left for me after the, the death of my husband. And this is the possession, the only possession that I have uh, that was taken from me. 
And just to give you a context uh, of the way John Chrysostom thinks, John Chrysostom in in his writing on baptism, he has he has a book called um, uh, Baptismal Instruction, and in this book, um, he says that for the baptized person, uh, nobody nobody can harm your soul. If someone steals from you, they are injuring your pocketbook, but not you. Uh, you know, if someone curses at you. Uh, they're harming themselves they're not harming you that the, the Christian person is like indestructible in some ways um, in that, in that um, the the death and resurrection that happens in baptism the new nature that you receive uh, is not one that can be um, destroyed by other people or the world I give you this context because um, when this widow appeals to John Chrysostom, it would have been very easy for St. John Chrysostom to say, well, you know, um, you're a baptized Christian. Um, you know, that land, this is all fleeting. And he could have spiritualized it uh, away and not, not have taken on so much trouble um, as he did. So what, what John Chrysostom does is he writes a letter to the Empress and he sends it with his archdeacon. And he writes a, a letter uh, appealing to her and says, you know, in your graciousness, um, I, I'm kindly asking you that you restore this land uh, to this widow because this is really important. And of course, the, the Empress receives the letter, she reads it, she's infuriated, um, and she writes him one back. It says essentially, you don't know the law of the land, you've crossed the line, um, and I won't tolerate your disrespect anymore. Um, and essentially told him, go take a hike. Um, so John Chrysostom receives the letter and makes a decision that upon the feast day where everyone's coming to church, he instructed the doorkeepers when the empress is coming with her royal personnels, uh, that they are to shut and lock the door of the church and not allow her to enter. So essentially, John Chrysostom um, goes to war with the most powerful person uh, in his land because she has wronged a widow um, and the outcome wasn't favorable it wasn't like he did this and she said okay well I have sinned I'm gonna give back the land but I don't know that John Christum was even considering so much the outcome as he was his commitment to what he valued and what he wanted to uphold was um, to fight for the widow, to fight for what is right, to align with honesty and integrity, um, and to be willing to bear the negative consequence of that. And ultimately, this contentious relationship that he had with the empress led to his exile and led to his death 
during his exile. Of course, the famous story says that during his exile, he fell to his knees, did the sign of the cross, and said, glory be to God for all things uh, right before he died. Um, that's important. Uh, that's really important for us because, um, you know, I mentioned last time during the talk and, and said that this is a sort of fire and it brings out the best or the worst in people. Uh, but during these times of difficulties, um, we're called on to, to align, to commit to the things that we value. Honesty, truth, integrity, uh, fighting for people who have been uh, wronged, um, taken advantage of, and to stand for that. This brings us to um, our sixth point, which is um, humor. Humor. You know, um, sometimes uh, humor is used as kind of a, a deflection or a sense of defensiveness when we don't want to talk about things that are difficult or uh, don't want to uh, touch emotions that, that are difficult for us to, to bear. Um, but most of the time, um, like light-hearted humor at the right moments could be so helpful to, to relieve burdens. Um, helps us to, to let our defenses down. You know, moments where we could be playful with our children, our spouse, our parents. Uh, when we can laugh, you know, we, we relinquish this sense of control in the moment. Uh, I don't have to have all the answers in this moment. I don't have to be prepared for worse outcome. I can just be in this present moment, trust that God is loving me, holding me, shielding me. And I, I can just, you know, have this, this simple uh, laughter uh, and, and, and relinquish the need uh, to control outcomes in my life. So I think uh, we need more mu moments like that with our with our family, with our friends, with our uh, our church members. Um, you know, not to constantly um, be on edge and to be thinking and ruminating. And uh, it's good to have moments where we can just be silly and playful and lighthearted. I think. Now this brings us to uh, the final point, which is um, finding uh, time to dance. And I'll give you a context to this. Um, you know, I know that some people uh, live in the same household uh, and are just emotionally cut off from each other. They're not really connected, engaging with their mind, their heart. Um, and they're just distant, lacking understanding from one another. This could be between parent and children or, or spouses or, um, and I, uh, I, I remembered, um, you know, several months ago, uh, before going, going out and going to work, um, I would try to have this like parallel play with my daughter who's, 
about to turn one, but um, so she was maybe like six, seven months at the time, and um, you know, we, we, we'd engage in parallel play, and, um, and we'd feel somewhat connected. But one day, uh, I had music in the background, and I, I picked her up, and, and I danced with her. And what needed to happen is we needed to begin to synchronize our movement together. So I looked at her more deeply and she looked at me and I was paying attention to where her body was. She was paying attention to the way I was moving her. And what ended up happening is we were creating this harmony of movement that I had to really pay attention to and she had to really pay attention to. Um, and in that moment, there was this great uh, connection and expression of depth and love that I really cherished. And so when I say making time to dance, I mean, you know, making time to really um, connect with people who are important to you, to, to be able to be present with your mind, with your heart, um, and to focus on creating a bond based on attending to the other person which means that you have to let go of your own thoughts, desires, and wishes and, and actually be present with them. You know, when I was playing on the ground, I was still kind of disconnected, wasn't all there. But once I picked her up and we had to move together, I, I became focused on, on that moment. So whatever, whatever that looks like for you, that dance may, may look very different for you. And, it, and your children might be a lot older and may not even be appropriate for you to do that. But, um, but whatever cultivating um, uh, a moment where you're present with all your mind, all your heart, um, and, and you guys are just harmonizing, synchronizing um, the engagement, the flow between each other, this is what's, uh, what this time is affording us, is finding deeper connections, um, especially with people within our own household who maybe sometimes have, have grown kind of detached from. And um, I mentioned these seven, seven principles because um, they attend to dealing with depressive and anxious mood they renew our hope in god as a result of being inspired by the holy men and women of god that i have mentioned and briefly discussed um, and i hope this time will be a time that reconnects us to god to people that we love um, and connect us to our our true self uh, created in the image and likeness of god glory be to the father son and holy spirit